On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about Crestron's annual event called Masters. What was different about this event? This was in person for the first time in the last couple of years. And what are some of the takeaways and things to look forward to that our guests got from the event? We also want to note that programming is still relevant. All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. A State of Control. State of Control, Episode 99, Crestron Masters 2022. Welcome to A State of Control, an aviation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So today's episode was one that we do annually. Um, It's something that we've... uh, covered for many episodes, um, dating back to about six or so years ago. Episode 34 was the first one. We've also talked in 45, 57, 71, and last one being 82. And this topic that we're going to talk about is Crestron's annual master's event, uh, that recently happened in, uh, Orlando, Florida. And I've brought us a few of the participants in the event, and they're going to speak on different aspects of it and their participation. Um, unfortunately, we don't have Uncle Richie with us today, but we'd like to give him a shout out, and we miss him, and we look forward to seeing him on our next episode, which happens to be a big one, so be tuned in. It's going to be episode 100 coming up. So let me get started by introducing these guests. The first one's a returning guest, somebody that I've gotten to know or I've known for probably most of my career. And um, he is one of the early uh, Crestron CSPs. Back in the day, we called it Independent Programmers or CAPES. And uh, his name is Ed Mana, and he's from Technology On Demand. Welcome, Ed. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, I think uh, thanks for calling me old as well, since I was an original, you know? (laughs) Well, I'm with you there. We got to be old together, right? Uh, Right. It's like 25 years almost, you know, if that. And if I didn't mention, Ed's also a Diamond programmer. We'll be touching on that a little bit later on. Um, Next, I'd like to welcome somebody who I know is a listener, and he's come and met uh, both Rich and me on separate occasions. I hope we're all a listener, but but this is somebody who I was really flattered to get to meet, and he comes to us from the UK, and his name is Kletchi Aofalaju. Close. I know that I'm not getting it right, but uh, welcome, Kalechi. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, really glad to be part of a show that's my favorite podcast. So, yeah, really honored to have this discussion today. Well, just for saying that, you're our favorite listener too. So, <laughs> thanks for being here. And um, your your company is Logical Solutions. And last but not least, um, we get to welcome to here another uh, new guest and somebody who I got to meet at Masters and um, is also works very closely with our friend Mike Krejci at CTI. And his name is Isaac Porter. Welcome, Isaac. Thank you, Steve. Glad to be here. 
Thanks for being with us. So I, I mentioned um, Crestron Masters has been happening quite um, for quite a number of years, as Ed and I both uh, reminisced about. And um, the last couple of years, it's been virtual for reasons of the pandemic. And uh, this year, we got to get together back in person. And um, it was also uh, expanded a bit, as, as has been the trend, to include uh, tracks not only for programming, but for design and for sales, and was co-located with the Modern Work Summit. So there was a lot of things going on, and it drew interest from a lot of people in different areas. Um, we had uh, manufacturers also did uh, exhibit as well to talk about how they worked with Crestron. And um, so, Ed, uh, I'm, I'm going to start with you since we, we've both been doing this for a long time and been to many of these, um, you know, Crestron Masters, I think, is a staple on a lot of uh, programmers' calendars, a lot of uh, certified programmers. This is the reward that they get to get to go to Masters and get to be around uh, people that they can uh, either learn from or get to meet and get to know. Um, what in particular for you keeps you coming back to Masters other than the fact that now you're, you're also an instructor? We were just on a phone call with the Crestron uh, CSP Advisory Board. Uh, this year, I happen to be the chair, and we talked about a master's recap, and it was a very good, um, good uh, reminder for this call, right, um, for the podcast. But what really keeps me coming back is the networking. Uh, you can learn over the years. Uh, during the year, you can learn anything you need to, right? You can call support. You can take classes online or whatever, read documentation. But showing up and interacting with everyone is really where it's at. And uh, for anyone that's gone over the pond to one of the, the Europe classes, I started doing that a few years ago. Um, it, it's really a big eye opener. Uh, it's nice to be around people that may or may not be your, you know, they're not your direct competition, but um, it's nice to be able to open up and just see how it is for other people, you know, other CSPs. Although I will say that one of the years I went to Amsterdam, uh, Hope Roth and Paul Reardon showed up. So it was kind of like I went to escape all the U.S. people and they followed, you know, so. But uh, for me, it's really the networking part of it. I, I think that's that's a great segue to bring in Kalechi uh, and and um, you know from from your perspective, um, there were certainly more convenient ways for you to attend masters, but you decided to make the trek over to the U.S. and and be with us in person. Um, it is uh, it, was there a greater value? to you to be at this event versus um, one in Europe, as um, Ed alluded to? Yeah, thanks, Steve. So I think for me, since this was the first Masters in person since 2019, I think it was super important to be there. And whether it was in Europe or whether it was across the pond in the States, I really wanted to attend my first Masters in person. And as everyone else has said, to be able to meet with people in person, to be able to learn, to be able to network. So the length of the journey wasn't a hurdle at all. And, and that, that actually says a lot because it, you know, that, that's a lot of people in the U.S. Um, talk about just the commitment to fly across our country and, and, and the time commitment and, and the costs. And certainly it was uh, a much greater investment for you, but uh, it sounds like it paid off. Um, Isaac, I'll, I'll I'll bring you into the conversation. Um, similarly to Kalechi, you you are, um, are, are uh, a newcomer to this this group, but obviously been doing Crestron for for a number of years. And um, 
what what for you was the most interesting aspect was, was there something that that stood out to you that maybe you didn't expect to get out of going to the event similarly to Kalechi and ed it was the networking uh i sat through the two virtual masters the past couple of years and you get the content but you don't quite get the same bond with the people that are in all the classes so when you're actually there in person and you're talking to people that you've maybe talked to on the internet, on Discord, on Reddit, whatever it is, just seeing them in person and actually getting the, you know, the camaraderie of being there in person with someone is a far different than the uh, online experience from the past two years. That makes a lot of sense. I, w- I, w- I would agree with that myself. Uh, honestly, I, um, I, I'm in a little bit of a different position where I maintain certification because I want to be involved um, in, in the group and, and in the community, but I don't actually program anymore. But the, so the conversations that are outside the classroom, you know, far outweigh what's happening inside the classroom for me personally. However, there, it's still important to have your head in it and be able to, to learn and, and hear what's being taught. It, I just don't put as much to practical use, but, um, and I'll, I'll, um, kind of jump over to you, um, Looking ahead, as you alluded to, um, what, what are some things that you think would be um, uh, added value or, or enhance the experience uh, of masters? And you know, I, I don't know if I'm not asking you to share something that is in uh, public knowledge, but just from your perspective. So, to just give everyone a quick heads up, if you go back for a minute, masters planning starts in November of the prior year. So planning for this master's started in November of last year. And once course assignments and abstracts and all that, we work throughout the year as an instructor to bring that content forward, right? For our class, we, we spend probably about, I would say maybe 15 hours uh, just in planning sessions. And then we practice the class several times. And even at Crush, even at master's, right? Uh, I brought, I found new employees of Crestron. I made them sit through our class. Well, not made them. I told them to sit through our class and learn from what we're doing, even though they may not know the subject, just to get them in, right? Uh, so there's a lot of planning. But to, to go to your question, Steve, um, I think moving forward, they chosen to, uh, Crush Runs decided to do in every other year in the U.S. versus abroad. And I, I think it's a very interesting move, right? On one hand, I could understand the involvement to do the class twice, to do master's in the U.S. and master's abroad. But um, I think it's a greater, uh, you know, some people look at it as a detriment, but I look at it as a plus because now you're able to, one, go to somewhere else that you've never been, right? So for Kalechi, he came to the U.S. He might not have been here before to the U.S., so it's a chance for him to go and uh, meet new people and sightseeing and all that. And like in our case, the next training is in Madrid in May. And who would not want to be in Madrid in May? So I think it's a good destination. And I, I think it's a good way for everyone to network to a much broader group of people. Which sounds very interesting. And it, and it's really great for bringing the community together because, you know, having those different perspectives from people in, in different areas and, and, you know, whether some of them are consistent and some of them are, are diverse could, could be very valuable to, to the conversation. Um, uh, I'll, I'll kind of keep going around. Um, Kalechi, what, what is something that you would... Um, hope to see the next time you were uh, at, at either a master's or, or even you know, a, a, a similar type of event? I think for me, what I'd like to see is kind of more of the same. I think the event is really good. 
I think it's probably the most important event in terms of if you compare trade shows or another events in sort of my calendar in the year. So I kind of want to see more of the same, but perhaps more people attending, more people from Europe and all around the world attending. It was good because Masters this year, we had a bit of a UK contingent, but the good thing is we we kind of spread our wings and spoke to other people. And it was nice to speak and meet to people who I've spoken to on Facebook groups or on Discord and actually get that relationship going in person as well. So the most important thing is that as long as they can keep the quality of the event and more people can attend, that would be really great. And uh, Isaac, I'll, I'll kind of take where Kalechi left off and, and this may be a little bit more of a trickier question, but how, how do we make that happen? How, how can we get more people uh, attending and, and what, what um, is something that would, would really be make going to masters be a no brainer or, you know, a, a must see type of event. I think having high quality classes that are actually teaching will inspire some people to want to come. Um, you got to make sure that you're not speaking to everyone in the class. You got to make sure you're hitting all the right demographics you want in the class you're teaching. But as long as you can deliver high quality material to all the different types of people that would be coming to masters, I think that would get a lot of people wanting to come more than just the networking, because obviously if you're coming for networking, you're going to have a good time. But if you want to come to learn some stuff, it needs to be there too for that. I guess just as a follow-up, any anything in particular like for you that would would um, say uh, this this is something that either I can't get somewhere else or I'm really looking for. Is it is it um, deeper um, information about Crestron and Crestron um, systems, or is it more um, j just general software knowledge? And um, where, where would you go with that? I think there's a couple different ways you could go with that. I do think that deeper understanding of actually like Crestron hardware is a thing that you can get out of masters that you can't get anywhere else. For example, that's when you have all the people who actually developed the products that we use every day to answer some of the tougher questions about how the systems work. And then on the software side of it, I'd expect them not to make, make you an expert at something, but give you enough of a foundation to go and learn and explore something on your own. As long as they give you the basics there, you can really get your mind thinking of what you can do with some of those possibilities, which I thought like the test driven class kind of did that very well. But And just to jump in there to what Isaac said, I think maybe some people might look at the, the class schedule and think, oh, like Ed said, this is his fourth year doing PowerShell, they might feel like some of the content has been repeated and maybe everyone doesn't yearn for networking and meeting with others. So perhaps if Crestron, not to sound critical, can make the class schedule a bit more varied, maybe have some new things for people to learn, maybe there would be more of an uptake for people to feel that, yeah, I really want to come to Masters, I'm going to learn so much that I can't learn elsewhere. All right, now hang on. To defend my PowerShell class, you know, because you, you threw down there. Uh, in the four years, we have done different topics each year, right? So this year, um, if you had attended, you would have um, seen it was PowerShell Wizard. Okay, so we did a little above and beyond what we've done in the past. Uh, I was telling you guys earlier, we even brought in our own magic wands for the class that we gave out as prizes. But um, we did exactly what Isaac asked for. We give, in our class, we did something where we showed you guys how to do something. And then afterwards, we gave you material to take and implement immediately. 
right, that you can go today and go use, which is always something I'd like to have, right? Whenever I would go, see, you guys are too young to remember this, right? But in the crush run years, when Steve and I used to go to these trainings, they would pass around hardware, right? And they would hand it to us and uh, we'd play with it and look at it and, you know, hand it off. And, um, you know, this year it was hard with VC4 to hand off a VC4 license, right? I kept telling everybody they want a VC4 license coming to our class for 90 days, right? Um, but, you know, as, as time progresses, I mean, the other thing you guys uh, may or may not realize is engineering comes to this event and it's not just the guys that speak. And they're in a lot of the classes and they're interacting as well. So, you know, don't think if you go and don't participate, um, you know, you are getting your point across, whether you realize it or not, you know. You, you also didn't comment that they used to pass around floppy disks when we went to class, too. So, so it's really funny because I can't confirm or deny this, but I heard a story. So for any of the young people on this podcast that don't even deal with floppy disks, years and years ago when Crestron would program and, yes, Crestron did it internally they would send out a floppy disk with the code on it because this was before, like email was not happening yet and all this stuff. Right. I actually remember as a contractor at the time getting uh, floppy disks and mailers to send out. Right. And I heard the story that some, I think it was, I don't know. I can't even say who it's from because I don't want to get in trouble, but they told me the story where something wasn't ready, some part of a product or something. And, and a floppy disk was sent out that was empty. And when the person complained, there's nothing on it. They're like, oh, that darn x-ray equipment, you know, and they had to resend it and it bought like an extra week, you know, but yeah, that, it's, it's come a long way. Right, Steve. I mean, think about the days we used to have to call um, uh, uh, Rick Oders to have him kick somebody off the BBS so we can go get files. Right. So those, those are the days, right? Yeah. And, and your story is, is actually accurate. Yeah. Uh, well, now good. So, so we'll equally get in trouble for that one, you know? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's a classic though. You can't, you can't, that's what you have to pass on. Yeah. And I can't tell you, even in other industries, right. I heard the same story from someone else that had a different product outside our industry. They're like, Oh yeah, we sent a floppy disk. It was a whole release and nothing was on it. And I'm just like, all right, all right. Other people do this too. Which uh, it's, it's good to show that we've come a long way, but it's also um, interesting to show how much, you know, what we did still existed and still is relevant for that long, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a long time. Uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on, Ed, while, while we're, we're chatting, um, and, and I mentioned in the beginning about um, you achieving the diamond level uh, certification, which is the highest certification, and that in that you, you um, are an instructor, which you, you've touched on. Um, Something that's come up quite a bit, and we've talked about it a little on this show, is just the value of certifications. Can, can you speak a little bit to that? Do you feel that the the industry is uh, is really valuing the effort and and the time that goes into achieving those types of certifications? Yeah, that's a great topic because some people, if you go on social media, the, the people, some people complain that it's meaningless and it's useless and all this good stuff. And those are usually the people that aren't certified to the higher levels, right? So on one hand, you look at it as sour grapes and I, you know, I see everybody's point, right? But if you've gone through the certification and you've done the exams, I mean, these are not trivial. Every year they get harder and harder and you're devoting many, many, many hours, right? And as a, as a CSP, when you have a programmer doing that, and Steve, I'm sure you've gone through this, you're paying someone to sit and not do production work. So on one hand, you could say, wow, I'm losing that billable time. But on the other hand, once they have that level, 
it, it sort of adds to the, you know, sort of the, uh, the resume, if you will. Um, people sometimes on the technical side don't appreciate it. But if you look at any other industry and you look at someone who has some level of certification versus someone who doesn't, that's one way immediately you can differentiate, right? And if you look, I know, Steve, your company has many, many certifications, right? Um, and for all the different product lines versus Crestron versus, I think, you know, QSIS and AMX and all these other products, right? Um, there's some street cred to that. And, you know, I think people don't realize it enough, um, but I think it's something to definitely value. I, I, uh, and I appreciate that. And I, I'll, I'll, and, and I do need to define CSP because here at AV Nation, we always define our acronyms. So it's Crestron Solutions Provider, but um, and that's the the moniker that is used for independent programmers that don't um, sell uh, hardware and for the most part focus just on on programming and other related services. But um, Kalechi, I, I wanted to um, see if you can also comment on that, and because what Ed said is true. You know, part of what we have to do, you know, when we have people on our team, we have to invest in them and we also have to make um, the, the, we have to make it appealing for them to get certification. Um, what, you know, from your perspective, is it enough to just give somebody time to, and, and sponsor them to go through this? Or does there need to be more of an incentive for somebody to, to get certified or, or even advanced certification? Yeah, I think for most employers, so for programmers who work for integrators or a programmer that works for a Crestron service provider house, I think it's super important. And I think there is already a huge incentive there to go to Crestron Masters to continue to stay certified and up the levels of certification. Because as Ed says, if you compare perhaps a programmer to someone who isn't certified, you're going to go with someone who's certified to have the credentials there you have a bit more trust in the value of the work and in terms of how good their work is going to be. And unfortunately, I've seen not a lot of employers value certification as much. And there are a lot of people saying, is it really important? I've already learned all these things. But I would say from my experience, it's super important to go to these trainings. It's super important to be certified because even just doing the certification assessment in itself, it teaches you a lot, which is going to help you on your job and it's going to help you in future projects going forward. I've said this to a few people in the industry, getting my Crestron certification is probably my biggest achievement to date, more than my university degree or any other sort of achievement I have. So I definitely think people should want to get that certification and keep on that track. Wow, that says a lot and, and thank you for that. I, um... Probably because it took me a very long time to do it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's something to be proud of. Uh, I, and that's why I maintain it. And I don't even want to tell you the year on my certificate, my certificate, but it was a lot different then. But, uh, but it's, you know, it's not something you want to have to do twice. That's for sure. Um, uh, Isaac, I'll, uh, you know, talking about that, you know, um, the way Crestron works and, and maybe um, other manufacturers are going to follow suit is that it does learning and, and, um, and getting accolades doesn't stop at getting certified, but they, they try to encourage you by attending masters to uh, advance, and just as Ed has, and there's many levels until you get to Diamond. Um, in your pers from your perspective, um, 
it, what's the motivation to um, to to take those tests, make the time, do do what it takes to uh, to to get to silver, gold, platinum, and so forth? I think you have to have a sort of personal motivation to want to do it because you, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to force yourself to go through the certification process and especially the harder tests as they, you know, you go along. So making sure that you actually are enjoying programming and are enjoying the, you find motivation in what you're doing allows you to want to succeed at what you're doing, I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I just wanted to jump in there as well. I think for me, the motivation comes sometimes because I get imposter syndrome. So having the certification in these different tests helps you to challenge yourself. And then once you do hopefully pass it, it's like it shows that, yes, you are you are good enough. You are a good enough programmer. Uh, I'll, c- I'll come back around um, and, and I'll start with you, Isaac. Um, what what is what were some um, trends or what what is what are some things that that programmers are going to need to know to continue to to grow and 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 be be on, on their game, you know, in in next year, you know, wh- wh- when masters comes around again. I think you could see it in some of the coursework, but the fact that Crestron is kind of leaning towards standards or you know, they had a class on Git repositories. They had a class teaching you C Sharp. They had a class teaching you test-driven development. You can kind of see some of the aspects they're gradually trying to steer you towards. So in your free time, if you're looking to learn new things, you know, maybe you don't know how to do HTTP requests. Maybe you don't know what they are. Maybe you need to look into some stuff like that because the industry is definitely moving in the direction of standards. So making sure that, you know, even if you're not in class learning it, that in your free time, you're still, you know, trying to keep yourself sharp with what you see going on in the industry. Uh, Kalachi, if you want to jump in, um, what, what's, what, what are some things that are on your roadmap or maybe some of the things you took home from the event that you say, you know, I, I really need to, to learn more about this or, or invest the time to, to uh, be prepared and, uh, and and be ready for what's to come in the new year. Yeah, I'd say from as a result of attending Crestron Masters, probably Linux setup because their platform um, VC4 Virtual Control 4, because we all know there's a there's chip shortages and it's very difficult to get a standard processor. And Crestron have helpfully come out with a new product VC4 VC4 PC. They've already got the standard VC4, so learning how to set up. Uh, a Linux environment to support virtual control. Also, the front-end web development. So, Crestron have been doing CH5 for a few years now, and I feel like we're gradually getting to a stage where it's going to be adopted a lot more. So, CH5 is um, HTML5 in, in Crestron land. So, becoming more proficient with those different softwares and technologies, because I feel like clients and consultants are going to want to ask for that more on their projects. You know, it's funny, um, the C-sharp stuff and the HTML5. So there was a metric thrown around uh, last Masters that 97% of crash run systems were still programmed in simple, right? This is a throwback to you and me, Steve, being the old guys on the call, right? So I was corrected this year, and it's 95% now. So the needle is moving, albeit a little slow, right? But, um, you know, from my perspective, I think that the programming end of it is the least of everyone's worries. I think it's more of the overall commissioning, the overall communication process, 
Um, definitely, you need the technical chops. But uh, I think on the Linux side, I mean, Crushrun told me they had 30,000 VC4 PC3s, if I'm getting the part number right, available. So having that virtualization is huge. And I think that's going to be a new wave for us, right? As a, as a Crushrun services provider, a CSP. So I'll keep your acronym, Steve, right? Uh, you know, explaining. But that's a huge opportunity for CSPs to be able to go and commission those because the average residential dealer does not know Linux, right? And they're not going to know all the ins and outs of a VC4 server. So I think that's a biggie. Um, I also think uh, from a just an overall standpoint, uh, some of the habits that we've uh, accumulated over time, uh, you know, Git, for example, or, you know, version control, those are all things that are going to become more and more prevalent. And kudos to Crestron for teaching some of that stuff. But on the same token, I feel that's a lot of stuff people should have already known before coming to a class like that, right? And, you know, I, I don't want to go back and forth on what the prereqs and all that stuff, but those are big things in a company, right? So, you know, that's something that I would implore people to learn off off sort of crush run side, right? Learn the version control, learn about um, the Linux environment, you know, backing up all the hard work you've done when they hosed the server and now have to get another one. Now you have to do all that work over again. You know, stuff like that. I, I guess that's a good topic for us to round up uh, on, and we don't have uh, too much time. But um, what, um, and, and Ed, you can start with this. Like, what? How much of of what we do in our role is going to be custom programming versus other things? Because everybody's talking about the fact that systems are becoming simpler, and there's going to there's going to be less of a need for the bespoke systems that we're used to doing. But what are your thoughts on that? So it's interesting. In the CSP meeting, I talked about this. Uh, we had a, a meeting for all the CSPs to come to at the event. And thanks for everyone who came, if they're listening. Um, but one thing uh, is a biggie for me is uh, not just, we're not programmers anymore, right? Steve and I used to be CAPES, Crestron Authorized Independent Programmers. We're not that. We're offering services. So I think it's got to be more widespread. I think it's more configuration of hardware to support our programming, right? There'll always be a need. I, I think it's configuration and other services surrounding networking. Some of my biggest projects have involved just commissioning NVX, not even programming the job, but just commissioning the NVX for the job, right? And we've done that as a CSP. So I think it's the other auxiliary services that really help out. And, you know, one of the things I said um, is the dealer can bring the parts and, and we all can bring the smarts. I like that. <laughs> um, uh, Isaac, you're, you're kind of um, uh, in a different role than we are, you know, as independents, but, but more so a staff programmer in a, in a large integration firm. And, and obviously um, programming is probably the, the, a good portion of your job, but not the only portion of your job. Um, it, how do you see things changing in the future? Do you feel like though there's going to be more of a need to write code for a whole system or parts or is there other or do you see yourself spending more time in other areas of the business there's it's definitely still the role for programmers i think that as systems are becoming simpler some the rooms generally still require programming and sometimes the best programming is the programming you can't see so if you're doing a good job sometimes people don't even notice there's actually programming in the space um but yeah there's a, definitely a shift towards a lot more simpler configuration stuff but that's still an important part of the job because that's what you're at the end of the day you are providing a solution to the end user so as long as you are fulfilling that goal you're 
doing your job well as a programmer. And uh, Kalachi, I'll let you have the last word on this. Uh, in terms of your business and where you see things going, um, do you think you're going to be spending more or less time writing code you know, versus doing other things uh, to, to support your clients and the, uh, you know, as, as you move forward? Yeah, I think I'll be spending the same amount of time writing code, but like Ed said, probably focusing more on ancillary activities or commissioning activities. And I don't think people need to be worried if you're a programmer. Yes, there's probably less customization and there's more configurable systems. But for example, in Crestron land, in the residential side, they have Crestron Home. And on the commercial side, they have AV Framework. We can have programmers focusing on developing drivers. So let's say there's a new display, there was a, there's a new matrix that comes out. You still need to develop a driver and that's not something that can be easily configured. For example, as well, let's say you've done a custom system and this is a project that's already been done, but everything's all on open ports. You could go back to that system. You can go back to that client and say, hey, we can control this device using SSH, using a secure connection. So I think the most important thing is that we don't need to reinvent the wheel as programmers. We just need to get some new rims. So, um, yeah, there's, there's no worry at all. Oh, I appreciate that. And that's great for everybody to hear. I'm sure that our audience is going to be smiling when uh, they're listening to this. So um, that, that means programming is not dead, just for everybody that needs to know. Uh, and uh, so that it's a good place for us to wrap. And this has been a great conversation about Crestron Masters 2022. Um, I'd like to thank our guests uh, for joining us. Um, uh, first, I'll start with Ed Mana from Technology on Demand. Um, Ed, how can people get in touch with you? How can they learn about your company? And also, if you wouldn't mind, can you give a little bit, a uh, 30-second elevator pitch on the Questron Advisory Board? Sure. So to find me, you could go to emana, E-M-A-N-A, at technologyondemand.com. Uh, I'm on um, LinkedIn uh, as LinkedIn. I think it's linkedin.com slash edmana. Twitter is edmana. Uh, if you Google me, you can find me. Um, it, the Crestron service provider, the advisory board. So it's a board made up of mostly um, Crestron service provider principals, as well as a few people from Crestron. And that number from Crestron is growing. And we look at uh, what can we do to better the CSP community and what can we do to get the word out there about CSPs, right? And that's what we focus on. And this year, I think more than any other year, and Steve, you were at the meeting, you could attest to that. We've done tremendous uh, roads. We've, we've paved tremendous roads to move things along. And that's only because of the hard work of people prior to us getting to that point. So it's really some exciting stuff coming for CSPs, uh, whether it's marketing, whether it's um, webinars we're doing. We're doing one in a few weeks on, uh, with, a, with an attorney to go over contracts, you know, stuff like that. But uh, CAB is a great uh, group of people. And we are accepting new members. So let, thank you for letting me pop into that little one. Uh, if you're interested and you are, first of all, you have to be a CSP, right? So I don't think Isaac's eligible, uh, but you can email uh, cabcab at crestron.com and that'll get through to the entire cab board. Uh, and if you'd like to uh, participate in next year's board, the board turns over in January. So please let us know. And if there's any comments or criticisms or things you'd like to see, please let us know as well. Well, I'll say from being there, you did a great job in the meeting, and thanks for what you've been doing. My pleasure. I'll move on to Kalechi. I'll follow you. I'm going to get it right one of these times. Thank you so much for being with us. It's so glad to have you on our show, and uh, we always appreciate you listening as we do all, all of our listeners. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about Logical Solutions? 
Yeah, so the best way to find me is probably on LinkedIn. So yeah, just search my name, Kelechi Alfalaji. Um, you can find how to spell it, I'm sure, in the show notes. And to Logical Solutions, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter, logical underscore AV. And you can also find our website, logicalsolutions-av.co.uk. And yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. And last but not least, Isaac Porter from CTI. Um, at, we'll have to tell Mike he has some competition now, but uh, <laughs> thanks for being with us. Thanks uh, for, for joining today. How can people get in touch with you, learn more about CTI? Thanks for the opportunity, Steve. Yeah, we can find me on LinkedIn at Isaac Porter, or you can follow our company on LinkedIn as well as on conferencetech.com where you can find all of our information. Wonderful. Well, um, uh, my name is Steve Greenblatt. As I've shared, uh, you could find me at Steve Greenblatt on social media. You could find my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. Um, I also do another podcast called Ask the Programmer with James King, and it's just a passion project that we have where we're trying to build community amongst programmers and try to answer some of the common questions that are either asked of programmers or people who are interested in what we do um, have questions about. So uh, pl please check that out. Um, as I teased at the top of the show, we have uh, episode 100 coming, and I'm sure that's, that's going to be packed with uh, some surprises and some uh, interesting guests. So please tune into that. And um, you can learn more about this show and all other shows on the AV Nation lineup at avnation.tv. Um, while you're there, please also check out the supporters of AV Nation and uh, let them know that you appreciate them because they help us to make the this and all the other shows possible. And we also like to hear from you and we also like to bring more guests on um, like Kalechi and, and Isaac. And we, we uh, so please let us know you're listening and please either meet us and say hi in person or, or reach out to either Rich Fergoza or me and we'll be glad to have you on the show. And uh, that's what we have for today. And this has been A State of Control. 